You're listening to Perks of Being a Book Lover, a show about books, people who read, and how reading at its very best is a social experience. Whether it be a book club, a poetry slam, or the production of a play, words are meant to be shared. There is the old philosophical question. If a tree falls in the forest and no one hears it, does it make a sound? Likewise, if you read a book and don't discuss it, have you enjoyed all the perks of being a book lover? I'm your host, Amy. I've been a member of numerous book clubs over the last 25 years and started quite a few. I love asking people what they're reading so that they'll ask me the same. I'm a vintage bookseller, a traveler wannabe, and a fanatic about dogs. And I'm your host, Carrie. I'm an English teacher, a freelance writer, a blogger, and the person whose Instagram feed features more photos of my cats than my kids. Each week, we will talk with a guest who shares the love of reading, how they impart that passion, and what books really catch them on fire. We will also tell you about our literary lives, what books are on our nightstands, and other bookish fun. Welcome. Today on the show, we talk with Erin Nevitt, a children's librarian with the Louisville Free Public Library. She will tell us about why summer reading is the busiest time of the year, how you can explore some of the city's best-kept secrets with the library's cultural pass, and what makes a book tantalizing to a young reader. We're here today with Erin Nevitt, a children's librarian at the Middletown branch of the Louisville Free Public Library. Hi, Erin. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So unfortunately, we're all very sad, but the Middletown branch of the public library is closing at the end of June. And the Fern Creek branch has already closed. That makes us very, very sad anytime a branch of the library closes. The good news is there's going to be a new regional library. So tell us a little bit about what you do at the library. Okay, sure. So my name's Erin Nevitt. The kids refer to me as Miss Erin at the library, but I am a work outside the home mom with two kids. I have an incoming junior and a second grader. And so when I'm not chauffeuring them around, um, I work full time as a children's librarian at currently at the Middletown branch of the Louisville Free Public Library. Like Amy said, we are closing that library. It's going to be closed June 19th, Um, but we are, we did get some funding and some help to keep it open for a couple more weeks past our original closing date. And after the Middletown Library closes, the Northeast Regional Library will be opening on Monday, June 24th. So that is where I will be going um, to become the children's librarian there. And I have worked for the library for, in some capacity, for about a span of almost 25 years. I took a little break when I had my second child and left the library, but came back. So it is a long time that I've been with the library. It's just something that I've always loved. I started at the library back way back in 1995, and before that I had volunteered a lot with the library in high school. And I came back after I had gone away to school in my undergraduate and came back to the library to work uh, just as a fun part-time job. My mom had worked at the library in E-Line when it was back at the old E-Line library. And so there was a job opening there and I became a library page who is a person who basically shelves books, keeps the shelves tidy. Um, And so that was kind of my start in the library world, in the public library world. And I've kind of been there ever since. So I have been really impressed as someone who's not from Louisville originally with the Louisville public library system and all of the different programs and services that they offer. 
And I know that you are a children's librarian that you all are working really hard on right now is the summer reading program that the public library does. Can you tell us a little bit about that program? Sure. So the summer reading program is something that the public library here in Louisville has done for Oh, gosh, no, I don't know, 30, 40 years. I don't, can't remember the year it started, but it's been a long time, and it's something that we do annually to give children and teens uh, an opportunity to read in the summer for fun. So the program started on June 1st. It goes till August 10th. It's a 10-week reading program. We don't tell kids what to read. We want them to read for fun, and um, basically... We have three different age levels. So we have a preschool summer reading program, a children's summer reading program that goes K to fifth, and then we have a teen summer reading that goes middle and high school students. And so for the preschool program, we ask kids and families, caregivers, parents, whoever it may be, to read to those children. Um, and they read 20 books and they earn prizes. For the K through fifth children's program, we we ask that you read 10 books. And then for the teen program, we ask that you read six books over that 10-week time span. And then when you finish that, you come back to the library and tell us that you've read. And we you earn some prizes, and we will redeem your prizes for you. So it's a program that's really important, we think, in the public library world, especially in children's services, to keep children reading over the summer. We know the research shows that if they don't read, if they don't do something, you know, other than maybe being on a device or being in front of a screen all summer, that the summer slide will hit. And I always talk to kids about, when I promote the summer reading program, talk to them about, you know, keeping themselves at the top of this sort of mountain. Um, when school started, they've climbed this mountain all year, and um, they're at the top now. It's the last day of school, or it's the end, and you're getting ready to start summer. You want to keep yourself at the top, because if you don't do things like read books and read for fun, you're going to start to slide down that hill and go backwards, and that's just going to be negative, you know, going back into school next year. So we try to make it fun. Like I said, they don't have to read library books. They don't have, they can read books from home. They can be, read books that they pick up in a little library somewhere in their neighborhood. There's free little libraries everywhere in Louisville now. Um, they can read books from a bookstore. They can read books on devices. They can read ebooks. They can listen to audiobooks. They can read magazines. They can read graphic novels, comic books. Um, they can be really, read too. Everything, anything. Yes. It's really wide open possibilities. And I will admit here that sometimes I've had to fudge with my kids because especially for a, for a teenager or a middle school reading six books that just because they're bigger books that that can feel a little bit overwhelming. So sometimes mm -hmm. we've sort of felt like uh, we're cheating a little bit when I've been like, okay, we'll read a comic book, something that's a little bit smaller. So what you're telling me is that's cool. That's fair yes. game. We can do that. That is totally cool. Okay. They could read a newspaper article. That's why we tell kids. And I get that a lot when I talk to kids. It's like, well, this book is, you know, it's 400 pages, a Harry Potter book. And I'm like, just come in and talk to me. And, you know, it's okay. If you read, you know, couple chapters of something that's really big or read a magazine or read a newspaper article um, those will all count any any reading you do is going to count so yes so I know with the summer reading once they've completed that they get a prize and that prize has changed a little bit yes. this year yes so it is correct every year we have a theme if you will and so this year the theme is be a monster reader and 
this year we're giving away actually a monster pencil pouch. So for each grade or each uh, child level, age level, there's going to be a sort of a different style or different artwork sort of pencil pouches. So that is going to be for the preschoolers. That, gra that age level is birth to age five, basically. So if you're not in kindergarten yet, that's your program. So caregivers, parents, grandparents who are reading to babies. Um, a lot of times I'll talk to parents or caregivers who come into the library and they say, oh, they're too young for that. We don't need that. But you're going to want this cute little pencil pouch. It's adorable for the preschoolers. It's soft. It's got a little tag. So if you like to, you know, play with little tags on things, it's really fun. And it's something they can grow into. It's something they can keep a snack in. The K through fifth graders will earn another pencil pouch. It's more of a traditional looking pencil pouch that opens up and you can put, you know, art supplies in there. You can put traditional school supplies. I've told kids, you know, this is something they can carry around with them as they go out through the summer doing things either with the cultural pass that the library works with that we could talk about later too, or um, they're going on a trip and they just need something to store some snacks in, or you can even put a device in there, your charger. So you don't have to use it as your traditional school supply, little pencil pouch. And then the teens will get one too that's similar, but it has different artwork on it. So they get that, plus they earn coupons and um, free tickets to many venues around the city as well. Yeah, I remember my kids, they used, I don't know if there still is, but there used to be you could get like a, a free dipped ice cream cone at Dairy Queen, and that was... Yeah. That was always a big draw for my kids when they were little. Oh, yes. I know. I tell moms, especially who have babies, I'm like, just get it so you can go get yourself the ice cream. We're actually giving ice cream from Earlers. They partners with us. Oh. And we're giving an ice cream from McDonald's this year. So That's awesome. There's some free cool treats in the coupon sheets. And this is a related topic in that I saw that the South Central Regional Library, ha they have an artist-in-residence program there, and that the artist-in-residence who is coming, I think this month, is an artist who draws monsters and is having a workshop for teens especially on, I mean, it looks very much like graphic art, about how to design your own graphic art monsters and things. It looked pretty, pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. They, um, they have an artist-in-residence that changes every few months and this this month it is um, an artist who's coming in and all the workshops that happen in those uh, at, like at South Central or Southwest the regional libraries main library is also considered a regional now um, and Northeast the new library will be a regional as well the, all those programs that they offer such as that are free so you just have to call that library and sign up for those programs. Now, I understand, I mean, and I've seen the shelves at the library. Uh, we go to the J-Town branch uh, usually, and the shelves are bare. This is a super busy time for libraries. So I'm, I'm not sure that people fully realize just how busy your all's job is during the summer. So can you tell us what, what that's about, what, what that looks like in the summer? Sure. So um, it's funny because, you know, the school year ends and, um, I, we all know teachers' jobs never end, but they, you know, teachers and the school students get out for summer, and um, the public library, actually, that's our biggest time. We gear up for the biggest, busiest time of the year, basically, starting June 1st to August 10th, um, and also that week right before they go back to school. The library is free and accessible, open to all. 
Uh, and we also have, so you can get a library card if you are uh, a resident of Jefferson County. You can also get a paid card if you're not in Jefferson County. So if you're from an outside county and you don't qualify for a card, um, you can qualify by either living, working, or going to school or owning property in Jefferson County. So you can come in and get a card. And once you have access to that card, all of these um, activities, well, all the activities are free anyway, but uh, you know, using your card for library materials and that sort of thing, you have to have a library card for that. But we gear up and we do lots of story times that continue throughout the summer. We have story times for babies, toddlers, preschoolers, and then we do a lot of, we bring in a lot of performers that we partner with, so we'll have a lot of art programs, we'll have a lot of, you know, more entertainment programs where people will come in and do either uh, music programs or concerts, um, children's sing-along programs. We bring in authors for children and parents and caregivers on the children's side as well as the adult side. We're very busy. We've got programs almost every day of the week. When you look at the library calendar, you can go online and find our calendar through www.lfpl.org. It stands for Louisville Free Public Library. And we also have an app. We have a mobile app, LFPL mobile app, that you can find in your Play Store. Um, that way you'll have everything at your fingertips, but everything you can find on our calendar. We also have paper calendars. You can come into any branch library and pick one of those up, and it will give you a large span of everything that we're doing that's all free um, to the community. So I know that you have uh, facilitated some children's story times. What would you, how would you describe them? So yeah, um, as a children's librarian, yeah, I think my main focus, I work with children ages 0 to 18, so that's my uh, age range and my audience that I work with. Um, we have some staff that work only with teens, that we have some, but most of us work with that age range. So a lot of my focus is on that early childhood portion for the birth to five, but I also do programs that I try to come up with fun things, after school programs for that more tween age, like ages nine to 12. And one program I did start when I came to Middletown a couple of years ago was a program that I called, it was a children's book club, um, and we called it Middletown Page Turners. That's right, Page Turners. I like that name when, when yes. I heard about it. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of took it over. It was during a time slot after school that somebody else was doing a Magic Treehouse book club, and I just wanted to, they were giving that up and asked me to do something. So I changed it up a little bit, and I started hosting this book club. And uh, we met once a month after school around 4.30. We met for about an hour. We had it advertised in our calendar. It was online. People could call and sign up. So in the beginning, we had a good little following of some kids who came. And I offered, um, I was doing it like a children's book series offering. So we started out by reading Oh gosh, what do you read? The Mercy Watson books by Kate DiCamillo. And then we did the Haunted Library series. Um, we did the book The Courage of Sarah Noble. And we did a series called J.J. Tully that was by Doreen Cronin. And then we, then we went into uh, James and the Giant Peach and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So we, we just, I was trying to do, offer some different series books uh, in that program. And 
they would come pick up the book, just like a typical book club. They, we, I would reserve copies ahead of time so that people could come in, and there was always enough copies um, for the kids to check out so they could get it ahead of time, read the book. And then we would meet uh, on that third Wednesday of the month, and they would come back, and we would talk about the book, what we liked about it, what we didn't like about it, how it could relate to you know our lives now or anything fun that they wanted to talk about with the stories. And then I would always have the next couple of books in that series since we were doing series so that they could continue the series. Because kids, especially they, kids that I encounter a lot, get some of them get really hooked on series. And um, so that's kind of why I did that because they could read one, the first book of the series and then I would have second, third copies of that series so they could take them home and uh, read more in that series. But it was it was pretty good. I mean, we had a good little following. And then as things go, you know, kids get involved in other things. And the after school time is kind of hard with the library because they have to, you know, get out of school, get home, you know, get off the bus or whatever it might be, and then try to make it to the library during a time that we could do it. But that would also appeal to parents and get it done before dinner times and things like that. So would you say that is the biggest challenge? that you had doing book discussion groups with kids? Yes. The scheduling, I mean, the time and you having to compete with other extracurricular Mm -hmm. activities? Yes, definitely. I think the time and um, just the time constraints that I think families have. uh, It worked for some, but it just didn't work. Like we didn't have like 20 kids all the time. But I think the kids that we did have enjoyed it and it was a good a good offering and sometimes even if kids don't come to things I think it's still good that we offer it and it's there for you know one month we might not we might just have one child show up to something the next month you might have 10 but it's always there so I think that's important to offer it but and there's nothing saying that kids who didn't end up coming didn't read those books they they may have very well read those books and just weren't able to come to that meeting and you know kids reading books can never be a bad thing exactly so tell us, um, you do some outreach with teenagers, too. So tell us a little bit about some of those outreach things that you've done to try to bring reading and opportunities to read to high schoolers. Sure. So I am also involved uh, with Eastern High School, and there is a wonderful librarian there. Her name is Mrs. Page, and she offers a weekly book club to students. It's a Anyone can come during their lunchtime, and they meet there, and she offers a book once a month. And so I don't know exactly when she started it, but when I came to Middletown, the librarian before me had been working with her and highly recommended me continuing that partnership, and I'm so glad I did because she gives me so much insight and information into um, what kids are reading, what they might like to read. She's always trying to offer them books you know, in that high school age, sometimes it gets harder to reach those kids with books, and she just really tries hard. So her book club is something that she does to try and, you know, bring kids into reading and sharing her love of reading with the high schoolers. And she has a good following of uh, students that come once a Mom, once a week. She actually offers it once a week. So they'll read a book. It usually takes them about a month to read the book, but each week they'll come back and they'll see uh, where everybody is in the story. And some kids get through it really fast. And, you know, she always has to tell them not to spoil anything. Um, and then some kids who are, you know, involved in a lot of other 
harder academic things maybe, or they're involved in school activities, are reading the book a little slower, but uh, everybody comes together and discusses sort of the book together during the club, and then they will pick out a new book when they're all done with the current book. And I, help, I, go, I try to go to her club at least once a month and talk to the kids, make sure I have a connection with them in the community. And uh, it's one of my favorite outreaches, really. I get to go into the school and, and be involved in the school, and it's a presence for me to be there. And working with her has just been a phenomenal uh, relationship. And I'll come and talk to the kids about what we're doing at the library and make sure they know programs that we're doing and that they're invited to. I try to heavily promote our ACT practice tests that we were doing at Middletown. Unfortunately, a lot of the things that we were doing are going to end, but we will try to bring them back to the Northeast. I'm going to make a push to keep that partnership with that high school when I move because it's just really important to me to keep that going. So how, if you have an idea as a librarian, if you have an idea for something, how does that kind of work? Do you just say, I've got this idea, I'd like to try it, and they kind of, you have the leeway to do that? How does, how does that kind of work? Yes, it, it pretty much works like that. Um, I think it depends. Each library, really, each branch library is kind of its own culture, and they each have their own sort of things that they focus on. But it, it depends also on maybe, you know, who you're working with and how much staff you might have so that you can get out of the branch or you can be in a meeting room away from the desk and off the floor so that you can do programs. But most of the time, the people that I've worked with, managers and supervisors, have always been really open to me trying anything. One of my ideas going forward is going to be working with another librarian at an elementary school. Uh, to try and do, since my book club that I was trying to do for the younger age sort of fizzled there at the end, our, our idea was to try in the fall to actually create it as an outreach and so offer a book club at that elementary school so that I go where the students are. And so once a month, the kids could sign up and do this this book club together like at the school so that that sort of helps with the time constraints and the transportation and the kids are already there. The kids that can stay after school could attend the book club, and I'll coordinate it with the librarian at that elementary school. So a lot of times it'll just be an idea like that that'll pop into my head, and most of the time it's very welcomed and encouraged for me to try anything, really, that I want to try to do. I think uh, there's so much that the Louisville Free Public Library offers that people aren't aware of. Even people who, I, I mean, I feel like I'm pretty well versed in what the library offers, but there have been some things that have been new to me, like the audiobooks mm. that are offered. Amy kind of turned me on to the audiobooks. And I tell students, especially with, with high schoolers and middle schoolers having to do research, that if they have a library card, they can access all sorts of online databases that mm -hmm. they can do a lot of research and have access to information and articles and PDFs that they are not going to get if they just do a random Google search. So um, there's just a lot of things that, that are offered that, that people either forget about or may not realize. Well, and then there was there's a new service that I saw recently, and maybe you could tell us a little bit more about it, but that you can download comic books now, which could be a big draw to a lot of a lot of kids. Yes. So that is something that we, it's been fairly recent that we started where it's uh, downloadable ebooks and downloadable audiobooks that are 
graphic novels or comic books, and anyone can download those if you have a library card. Uh, and to access any of our eBooks, you have to have a an active, in good standing library card. The library offers a lot of different sorts of genres, uh, not just books, but also e-magazines. Uh, we've, we have streaming, we, have, we now have free video streaming, we have music streaming. So there are, like Carrie said, a lot of services that people aren't aware of that they have access to uh, that's free with their library card. And with the audiobooks, um, there are a lot of children's audiobooks on the audiobook collection that the library has. Um, and middle grade books. So if you're going on a summer road trip and your kid gets car sick reading, you might try having them listen to an audiobook. Yes. I wanted to go back a little bit to your book discussions that you've done. What kind of things do the kids want to talk about the most when you do those? Uh, most of the time they want to just talk about what they didn't like about the book. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, you know, if they just didn't like it. I remember now the haunted, when we did the haunted library series, that was actually the most popular one that everyone seemed to like. So tell us a little bit about this haunted library series. What is that about? I have not heard of that series. It's a, it's a short little chapter book series by, uh, I think it's Doris Dory. Butler. Doris. Okay. And it, is about some kids who find a ghost in the library and they think that the ghost is haunting the library. And so each little title in the series is just their adventures, trying to spot the ghost or catch the ghost doing something. And they go around and and explore the library when it's not open and follow the ghost and try to figure out what the ghost is doing in the library. So what age range would you say that these are for? Eight, probably about eight to 12. Eight to 12. Or, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And are there certain traits in books for kids that you think makes kids gravitate towards them? I mean, what was it about that series do you think that they um, liked? I think kids gravitate toward, well, for that, I think it's just mystery. I think a lot of kids like mysteries. They like science fiction and fantasy and escaping to other worlds. I think a lot of kids like to, that escape mm-hmm. sort of element of stories. But for that series, it's a good one because it bridges in between, you know, if you're sort of starting to read chapter books, but you want to get out of those easy reader, easy fiction, and you want to get into a longer sort of chapter book, that helps them. And I think they can see, and they have illustrations still in them, so I think that helps kids. They gravitate toward that if they can still have some pictures Mm -hmm. in the stories. And, yeah, I think it's just that being Mm -hmm. able to finish a chapter book, especially for that age. Right. I was just thinking when you were talking about this series in the library, it made me think of Escape from Mr. Lamanchelo's library. Oh, yes. And and then which that made me think about from the mixed up files of Mrs. Basilie Frankwaller. I think yeah. there's something kind of cool. I mean, if you think about it, those books, you know, they're they're set in libraries and kids get lost or they're figuring out mysteries. I think there's something kind of cool and creepy about the idea of getting being in a library somehow and having to figure things out. I, I think well, that's the, like mm-hmm. the Frank Weller one is actually, they're not in a library. They're in a, mu- is they're it a in museum. A museum. museum. Okay. But it's a similar idea yeah. and that they're, they're kind of alone in a place without adults and having to figure things out. Yeah. Yes. This is a little more of a personal question, but w- uh, what made you want to be a children's librarian as opposed to an adult librarian or a research librarian or something of that sort? Well, that's a good question. So I, 
like I said, I had started out uh, volunteering and working as a library page when I first started in college. And I, I think just being in the libraries, it just kind of drew me into knowing that I wanted to, to go and, and do library work. When I was a page at the St. Matthew's Eline Library, I just sort of became drawn to the children's books. And so I would always shelve the children's books and I would just start kind of looking through them and becoming more aware of titles and authors. And I just was really drawn into the children's book world, I guess. And I had a really great mentor at that time. He was the children's librarian there. And she encouraged me to, you know, once I finished school, uh, she told me about the scholarship program and the library foundation was doing this program. And so she sort of encouraged me to go that route. And once I got into library school, I don't know, I just think the, the adult reference and management and things like that just didn't appeal to me. It was just the children's stuff was just more fun and exciting management. <laughs> I've always said I will never be a manager. <laughs> it's just not my thing. And I don't know, I think it's just sort of boring, but the children's world just seemed more fantastic to me. So I went with that. Well, Erin, thank you so much for telling us about all the wonderful things that the library can do and about um, the children's program. And we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're just going to all talk about what we're reading right now. back in the studio with Aaron Nevitt and we're just going to talk books now what's on our nightstand what's on your nightstand Amy well the last thing I finished actually is a good segue into our segment that we just had with Aaron about the children's library and that I read a middle grade book called Dead End in Norvelt and it's by an author named Jack Antos and this book won the Newbery Award in 2012. I think it also won the Scott O'Dell Award for historical fiction for children. The author himself is quite an interesting guy. He grew up in Pennsylvania. And when we talk about the Norvelt book, it's set in Pennsylvania. And a lot of, of what happens in the book is, is based on his own childhood. But in his later teen years, they moved to Florida. And at that time, he got into a little bit of trouble, running drugs and and got caught and was arrested and he went to prison for six and a half years in his early 20s but when he came out he went to college decided he wanted to write children's books and that's what he's done ever since and he has two very popular series there's the rotten ralph series which is picture books for much younger kids and then there's the joey pigza series um, which is about a boy who has ADHD. And there's a lot of humor in those books. And then there, there's this book. And there's another book after this one as well that's also based on, um, the, on the town of Norvelt. But um, Dead End in Norvelt is about a story about a boy named Jack. Jack Antos, just like the author. It, and it's set in the early 1960s. And he's, uh, I would say he's about 12 12 or 13, and it's the beginning of summer vacation, and he is grounded by his mother for the whole entire summer. And part of uh, what he has to do is to make up to his mother is he has to go help this old lady who's his neighbor named uh, Miss Volker. Miss Volker has terrible arthritis and cannot do hardly anything with her hands. Uh, so Jack has to go down to her house to help her do a lot of things. And one of the things he has to help her do is write obituaries 
for the paper for everybody who dies. There's uh, some murder mystery in this. There's a lot of quirky characters. The thing I found interesting about it is the actual place of Norvelt itself. So there's a lot of history in this book. And uh, one of the things that Miss Volker does is she gives him lots of history books to take home and read when he has to stay in his room all day because he's grounded for the whole summer. But the town of Norvelt, it's a real place. It was built uh, back during the New Deal, during the Roosevelt's administration, and it was part of a program called Subsistence Homesteads. And basically what this program did, it created 100 communities um, around the country, and it was founded on the idea that they should go back to the land and learn self-sufficiency. So they would encourage people to not only to get cash for their labor, because jobs were short, this was right after the Depression, um, but to also barter. The whole community would barter with each other for services, and they would farm. It was sort of like this utopian plan for working people. And the, the town itself uh, was named after Eleanor Roosevelt. So Norvelt is, is sort of a combination of words with Velt, and I forget what the first part Eleanor. Of it. Nor. Yes, Nor. Yeah. The Nor from Eleanor and then Velt. So I found that the actual history of the place as interesting as, as the story itself. If you liked the Wednesday Wars, I did see a lot of similarities um, with that book and that you have you know, a middle grade boy who uh, has to spend a lot of time with sort of a cantankerous older adult. There's the whole learning aspect. In the Wednesday Wars, it's about Shakespeare. and this one, it's about history and, remem- and always remember your history. So while they're not read-alikes, there are a lot of similar threads. So that's on my list now, <laughs> since I love the Wednesday Wars. <laughs> so what about you, Carrie? So I just finished, not too long ago, um, an audiobook. I listened to Dad is Fat by Jim Gaffigan. And this is definitely not a book that I would normally read or purchase. Um, but I thought, you know, I, I just want something kind of light and fun and funny. And so... It's basically like listening to Jim Gaffigan is a comedian and he's a a quote unquote clean comedian. You know, he doesn't he doesn't cuss. He doesn't talk about racy, racy things. Right. He's he's pretty. And that's not I mean, that's neither here nor there. I, I like. All kinds of comedy. But anyway, um, it's about him being a dad. He's a dad of five kids. And so listening to this, it's like listening to his stand-up routine. And I I will say about this, I enjoyed it immensely because I am no longer in that stage of life. (laughs) It's easy to laugh at it when you're not doing it. (laughs) It's great because now my youngest is 10. But in this, his youngest is a newborn. And then he's got like a two-year-old, a four-year-old, a six-year-old, you know, and on up. And so it was hilarious for me to sort of relive some, some of these experiences that at the time I thought I was never going to get through that stage. Well, now I'm beyond that stage, but uh, there were a couple things that I thought were pretty funny. He called, uh, he was talking about lollipops and he called them flavored muzzles, (laughs) which (laughs) I thought was great because I remember keeping an entire bag of suckers in my car so that I could just pass them out to the kids whenever I needed them to stop Stop talking, stop talking or singing (laughs) or screaming or whatever. Um, but then I, uh, 
I found two quotes that I like that I, I wrote down. He said, well, that's a wrap on another day of acting like I know what I'm doing. And so I thought that applies to parenthood and life in general. Yes. So many yes. avenues of life that I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm done doing it for today. So he read, he read his he, own book? Yes, he read mm-hmm. his own book. And and actually his wife uh, helps him. She kind of manages him and, and helps him write these books. So I, I can't imagine just having that much togetherness. They're... Yeah, kind of together that's all the time. That's and, and then five, five children. Kids. So anyway, it was fun. I enjoyed it, um, and it was it was pretty quick. I think it was, on the audiobook it showed that it was seventy one chapters, but the chapters were very short, and it was very easy to listen to. And if you're new to listening to audiobooks and you're not sure what to start with, I would highly recommend doing some of those books that are done by comedians. Mm-hmm. So obviously this one also the tina fey book that came out several years ago called bossy pants amy poehler had one out called yes Yes, please Please, or or trevor noah oh my goodness now i have not listened to his audiobook but his book born a crime was a fantastic book and i have heard that the audiobook is even more amazing so i i highly recommend if you're not sure if you're going to like audiobooks not sure where to start that's a good place to do it and hearing hearing comedians deliver their own material material you just really can't beat that so what about you Erin what are you reading right now so I picked up a couple of books recently and uh, one of them is actually a second collection of essays it's called this I believe Two, and I'm actually reading it because it's a required reading for my daughter's high school this year so I picked it up because I wanted to read what she's going to be reading and it's edited by Jay Allison and Dan Gediman with John Gregory and Vicki Merrick. So it's in association with NPR. Uh, it's more personal philosophies of remarkable men and women. So there was a, it's a new collection of just inspiring sort of little essays, personal philosophies uh, given by different people. And it's based on an NPR series of the same name that was called This I Believe. Have either one of you ever listened to those? Yes, I have. You have? Yeah. Do you think this is a book that's like easy to dip in and out of? Like I always have a book in my car that's more like essays or poems or something that if I just have like a few minutes in the car where I'm like waiting to pick up a kid from somewhere that I can just like read a chapter and I won't lose the whole, you know, plot of a fiction book or something like that is that sort of the way it's set up it definitely is the essays are really short I mean I would say some of them are only a couple of pages long so I think it's great for somebody like that if you just want to like you said dip into a book or especially for students I think something reading over the summer they can read a little bit here and there and um, you know really get some some insight into some of these people's like it says, philosophies are just their grit or resilience. Like one essay I just read was about uh, a woman who came home. She left everything and, and came home to help her parents after they their home had been destroyed from Hurricane Katrina. And she just talks about you know living in this FEMA trailer with her parents. And she was going to go on and, and work her career, but she came home to, to help them. And I think it's it's got the stories like that where especially I think for that high school age range, giving them insight into, you know, some, some things that people deal with that we all deal with things. And I just like the way it's written and the way it's sort of compiled with all the different stories. So that is this, I believe too. And I'm also 
just picked up a book called A Place to Belong. It's by Cynthia Katahata, the author of Kira Kira. She's a Newbery Medal winning um, the book Kira Kira. So this is just another story by her. And it's actually a story about a Japanese-American family who has been uh, relocated to Japan after the World War II has just ended, and their family and all um, Japanese who have been in these camps, uh, Japanese families are being sent back to Japan. And this is a young girl, she's about 12, who has to learn sort of she's going through, and I just started it, but she's going through just learning that just because things are cracked, she says, doesn't mean that it can't be fixed. And it's just sort of a coming of age story for her and her triumph in her own way. So it's called A Place to Belong, but she's having to figure out where she can belong in a new place physically, but also in her own heart. So I just started it, but I think it's it's going to be good. It's going to be sort of heavy. So what age group is that? Is that a like a young adult or is it? I would say it's it's more for ages, probably third to sixth grade, fourth to sixth okay. grade. Yeah, it's a younger, older elementary. So I read a book last year that was about the internment of Japanese Americans. So if if you're an, um, you know, an older teen or an adult and would like to read a, a good book about that, um, I read a book last year called When the Emperor Was Divine by Julie Otsuka, O-T-S-U-K-A. And it is a fairly short book and the chapters are fairly short and they're just like, it's like little snippets of memories. Her writing is very ethereal, but I really enjoyed that book and so... I just wanted to throw that book out there if that's a, a topic that you're, that you're interested in. So even though our show is about being a book lover, we do realize that there are things besides books that sometimes people love. So um, we wanted to ask Erin some of her favorite things, but we are going to start with a book. So what, Erin, what's your uh, favorite or your top children's book? So my favorite book, I think of all time, it's actually an oldie, and I think a lot of my favorite books are kind of oldies, <laughs> but it's a book called Baby. And it is by Patricia McLaughlin. It was written in 1995. And this is a book that I discovered again when I was in library school and studying to be a children's librarian. We read it for a critical analysis of children's literature class. And it's a book that just really touched my soul, I think. It's a story about a family who's gone on vacation and it's somewhere, you know, on the shore somewhere. North Carolina or South Carolina, but they've gone on this uh, trip to the beach for the summer and they're playing and playing in the sand, dashing their feet in the ocean along the shoreline and then they see a basket that's been abandoned and um, inside is a baby. And so they discover this baby and they, they have to take it in and care for the baby um, over the summer while they're vacationing there. And it's just really a, a truly touching story to me and it's just one that I always come back to and have always loved so that's that's probably my top all-time favorite book. so is that like a short chapter book yes okay okay because Patricia McLaughlin also wrote Sarah Plain and Tall yes and Skylark oh, and wow. Caleb's story so oh, wow. those three are some of my top 
book. So I'm totally, I'm going to add this. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to add this to my list because I did not, I did not know about this book. So yes. it's a good one. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you, what is your top current TV series? Okay. So I watch the walking dead. Um, that is one of the shows that I watch. I'm one of these people that doesn't really watch like current TV. I don't know why. So I might watch something after it's been out for a while. I'm like, okay, I'll check this out. Um, but The Walking Dead, I don't know. My husband and I started watching that when it first came out. And it's really odd because people are like, why do you watch that? <laughs> it just seems so unlike you and your personality. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I just got hooked on it. And so that's, that's one that's still current that I actually still well, watch and i think most people and this is you know i have to link i am linking it back to books a little bit nerd i know <laughs> but most people don't realize that the walking dead started out it's based on a series of graphic novels and so yes um if you like that show and are interested in graphic novels check them out but i i, I did like that show for a very long time and i'm not really too much into zombies. I, I don't right. mind some scary things. To me, that was what was so interesting about that show is not even so much the zombies, but more about what happens when there's anarchy, and how yes. do how do people behave. So it, it's not really even it's not really even so much the zombies that are scary. It's the people. <laughs> it's the I people think that, that are scary. If that's it for me too, I think it's yeah. It's not the zombies. It's and in the beginning, it was more about the backstories of the characters and the dialogue and yeah, those experiences that come about when you're all trying to survive. So, yeah. So how about, uh, do you have a top local restaurant that you like to go to? So I, I would pick, uh, captain's quarters. That's, not, that's a restaurant that my family and I like to go to. I think it's just a cool atmosphere. It's on the river and their food is pretty good. I, I like um, just going and hanging out. You can walk along, you know, dockside and just be by the river. And you it's can't fun beat in the it summer. in the summer. Exactly. And they often have times will have like cornhole set up out there. There's often live music in the summertime. Yeah. Outside. I agree with you. That's a yeah. pretty cool one. Well, I'm going to throw my two cents in for my favorite local restaurant. And I just tried one the other day that I have eaten in before, but it's probably been six or seven years. And I ate there again just this week. It's August Moon. And it's a it's a Chinese restaurant. And it was fabulous. Now, the reason I hadn't eaten there for six years had nothing to do with the food or anything. It's just it's a place I forget about. It's off of Lexington Road. And I don't know, I just never think of it. But we went there because it was such a nice, the weather was so nice the other day. And I was trying to think of places that have nice patios. And it has a fabulous patio on the back that's surrounded like there's tall bamboo shoots with overhanging overhanging trees. And it's just really lovely out there on a nice evening. And the food's pretty good. Darn good too. A lot of times I think Chinese food is kind of oily and heavy and this was not at all. So anyway, mm. that's my newest little, uh, restaurant tip is try out August moon. So what about, what's a favorite top summer activity that you and your family like to do? So I, I, um, would choose falls of the Ohio. It's actually a place that we haven't actually been to, and I can't believe after all the years I've lived here, we haven't been. Um, but it's one that I keep coming back to and say, we need to go there. But it's over in Indiana, over in Clarksville, and it's 
you know, you, you have to pay a, a fee to park, I believe, and you can go into their interpreters, interpretive center and learn more about the Falls of the Ohio. Um, but it's just been on my bucket list. And it the pictures that I see people post, it just looks so much fun. So that's, I was trying to think of a place that, you know, is kind of one that I want to go to, but haven't been yet. So that would be my plug if you for have, this summer. Uh, if you have like kids who like to um, like look for little fossils and things, it is really good. It's a lot of um, or like climb, climb yeah. a lot of climbing. As long as the water's not up too high. Yeah, yeah. And there's also a really nice little. Um, there's an old Victorian house that's on the way out there that they've turned into a ice creamery. Uh, that's kind of a cool little, you know, if you're taking your kids and yeah. for a special summer outing, it's kind of fun to stop there and get an ice cream cone. Well, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to toss in some, some place that I went a couple summers ago that I feel like more people need to know about is Idlewild Butterfly Farm, which is on Logan Street in Shelby Park area. They have all sorts of bugs, cockroaches and butterflies and just all sorts. So you can pay to, um, I mean, they have a shop and they have an outdoor uh, butterfly area, but you can also pay to have a tour of kind of their sterile environment where they breed the, the insects. And it's really cool. You can hold a tarantula. Okay. So it's not just butterflies, not just butterflies. They have lots of other, they have, I want to say it's like a hissing beetle that you can hold. So I took my kids and Two of them are not big on bugs, so they just kind of watch. But my middle one loves bugs, and so he he was all over that. And he's requested that we go there again. So that is a very cool place. If you go to the Louisville Zoo, Idlewild has partnered with the zoo, and they have a butterfly exhibit at the zoo um, that is part of admission. And you can go walk through and see the beautiful flowers. And sometimes the butterflies will land on you, or you can see them um, getting nectar. So it, it's just sort of a little treasure uh, that a lot of people don't know about, but it's super cool. Do I have one? Yeah, a top do you place have one? in Louisville that doesn't? Well, there some there are loads of places in Louisville that I think don't get as much credit as they should. I guess the one that pops to mind, and it does get a lot of credit, I think, outside of Louisville. But I don't know that a lot of Louisvillians know how good of a theater Actors Theater of Louisville mm. really is. Before I moved to Louisville. Uh, I lived in another state and a woman that I worked for had a son who was very much into theater. And when he was done with college, he came to the Actors Theater training program to learn how to do lighting and set design and all those kinds of things because he really wanted to to work on Broadway. And um, I remember her telling me it was the top training program for that kind of thing in the country. And then soon after that, we moved to Louisville. And I, a few times, I have been given a gift of some tickets. And I have hardly ever been disappointed in anything I have ever seen there. They always have very original ideas. Um, there's never a bad seat in any of those theaters. Mm -hmm. And I just think everything is top notch. But I don't know that a lot of Louisvillians know how great it is. I think they just think it's a, a run-of-the-mill community theater. I wonder, is is the Actors Theater Pass still on the cultural pass through the Louisville oh. Free Public Library? I, That's I a know, good question. I, I know at one time it was. So the cultural pass is something uh, that you can do as part of the summer reading. And I know at one time, I haven't checked the cultural pass this year, but at one time, one of the activities was you could do a tour 
of Actors Theater, and you got to go behind the scenes and see the costume room, and you got to see underneath the stage. Can I do that? (laughs) It was totally cool. (laughs) We loved it. So I don't know if that is on this year's pass, but if it's not, it should be for 2020 because it was fantastic. We loved it. Well, I've got the pass here. It is on there. Yay. So the exact thing you're talking about oh. is on there. 30-minute sneak peek behind the scenes tours. Yes. I highly recommend that for families to do this summer because it was really cool. And, and especially, it gives you a, a greater appreciation if you do get to go to a show there to kind of see, you know, where the actor stands when he's Dracula and he pops through onto the stage. That was really neat. Is Idlewild on there? Hmm. Or even Falls of the Ohio. Yeah, I Falls think... of the Ohio is one of yes. the rewards. Yeah, Falls the... of the Ohio is on there. Idlewild is not. Okay, well maybe okay. maybe we need to put a plug in for that. So yeah, <laughs> definitely. Louisville, Kentucky, is a great place to be a book lover because we have loads of great bookish events. At the beginning of each month, we will give you a calendar of the events you have to look forward to if you live in the area. On July 9th, the Kentucky Museum of Art and Craft is hosting a poetry slam from 7 to 9 p.m. Tickets are $7 if you're slamming and free if you're attending. Poetry slams are one of the fastest growing trends in the artist community. A slam is the competitive art of performance poetry. Artists are judged by members of the audience. The Louisville Palace hosts a summer classic movie series. Two famous movies that were also classic books are in the lineup this year. Tickets are $8. If you've never been to this historic theater, you should. It's a wonder for the eyes. And seeing a great classic movie on the original big screen is the cherry on top. On July 6th, they're showing Breakfast at Tiffany's, based on the book by Truman Capote. And this 1961 movie stars Audrey Hepburn. And on July 12th, they're showing To Kill a Mockingbird, based on the book by Harper Lee, and the famous 1962 adaptation stars Gregory Peck. July 12th through 14th, the Jane Austen Festival will be held at Locust Grove Plantation. It is the largest Austen event in North America. This year, the focus will be on her novel, Northanger Abbey. Tickets are $20 for a day pass and can be purchased at the gate. On July 14th, and also again on July 28th, from 9 to 11 p.m., Louisville Literary Arts is hosting a late-night open mic night at H.M. Frank and O'Shea Pub in Jeffersonville, Indiana. This event is free, but if you want to read, you need to sign up through their Louisville Literary Arts Facebook events page or in person 30 minutes prior to the event. July 20th, the Louisville Free Public Library is hosting its ninth annual Gonzo Fest. That's a literary and music festival that honors the legacy of Hunter S. Thompson, a Louisville native and Gonzo journalist. This event is from 12 to 8 p.m. at the main branch downtown, and it will feature Rolling Stone journalist Matt Tybee and Thompson biographer William McKean. There also has spoken word artists, poets, food trucks, and music outside. On July 24th, Carmichael Books will host New York Times bestselling author and Louisvillian Andrew Schaefer for a night of political comedy as he talks about his new book, Hope Rides Again, an Obama-Biden mystery. This is a sequel to Hope Never Dies that's in the same series. July 26th through 31st, the Speed Art Museum Theater will be showing the film Toni Morrison, The Pieces I Am. This is an in-depth look at the life and works of the Nobel Prize-winning author. This film is part of the 2019 Sundance Film Festival. 
Several of the showings will have post-screening discussions led by local writers and academics. Tickets are $9. Check the Speed website for exact times. Award-winning restaurant Holly Hill Inn in Midway, Kentucky is hosting a poetry dinner series all summer long, and the menu for select nights is based on poems by Kentuckiana poets. Dinner is $50. Check their website for more details and a sampling of the menu and poems featured. July 27th, the Speed Art Museum hosts its Speed Reading Book Club from 11.30 to 1. This is part book discussion and part gallery tour. The book to be discussed is Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas by Hunter S. Thompson. Last but not least, the Kentucky Shakespeare in the Park is still in full force in Central Park. They're in their two-week run of King Lear, and after that, the three plays for the summer will have rotating performances. You can find more info at their website for when each play will be performed. Play start at 8. Food trucks are there by 6.30 and the bar opens at 7.15. Add a little live outdoor theater to your summer. Thanks for joining us today. We're under construction and currently switching sites for our webpage. So for show notes for any of our episodes, you can find them at our current blog site. That link can be found on our Facebook page. Follow us on Facebook at Perks of Being a Book Lover and on Instagram at Perks of Being a Book Lover Pod to see what we're up to and when new episodes air. And if you are a member of a book club or are sharing reading in some way and would like to be a guest, please contact us at any of these sites as well. You can also leave a message on our Perks line at 502-509-7736. We always want to hear from fellow readers. A huge thank you to Forward Radio 106.5 FM a grassroots, community-based radio station in Louisville, Kentucky. You can find our show there live or in archives at forwardradio.org, Podbean, and SoundCloud.